Hey everyone, Michael here with just a quick uh, word of warning. So apparently my USB-C adapter on my new computer wasn't working properly and I wasn't aware of it. So I was not recording through the nice microphone that you're hearing me on now for this episode. I was actually being recorded by my laptop microphone. So it sounds pretty awful. Unfortunately, there's not a lot I can do about it. I did do some editing to try to make it a little bit louder, but quality just isn't great. Uh, Chris sounds fine. The guest Jeffrey sounds fine. And we're going to go ahead and release the episode. But my sincere apologies that it uh, definitely doesn't sound as good as I would like it to. But I think the content is fun. And I hope that you agree. So thanks. And with that, on to the show. So hello and welcome to Detention Live from the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and I'm here tonight with my regular co-host Chris and a special guest co-host Jeffrey and we are going to do Detention Live. We're going to do some silly improv games and talk about role-playing game stuff and generally have some fun. Uh, So Chris, say hello to everyone. Tell them who you are. Hello everyone. Uh, Aside from being the uh, regular co-host here, I am also the Game Master for the Redemption podcast. I did uh, actually talk with some people on Twitter, and I still am claiming longest-running Star Wars AP. Nobody nice. has actually challenged me, so still winning. That's right. And every day it goes, the less likely someone will be able to challenge that. Absolutely. It's like you're like the Undertaker in WWE. <laughs> you like have this long-running streak that no one will ever be able to, to defeat. So far. And joining us tonight is our special guest co-host, Jeffrey Golden. Jeffrey, say hello to everyone. Tell us a little bit about yourself, buddy. Hi, everybody. I'm Jeffrey. Uh, I'm a narrative designer for video games and a TTRPG creator. I've written for Capcom, Square Enix, Disney Interactive, and indie studios around the world. And some of my tabletop projects include Helm Greycastle for Image Comics and Wet Hot American Summer Fantasy Camp. Fantastic. Well, we're really happy to have you with us tonight. Uh, we're going to kick things off, as we always do, with extracurricular. And this is where we just talk a little bit about whatever's going on in our lives that we're willing to share with strangers on the Internet. So it can be books you've read, shows you're watching, movies, albums, music, just really anything and everything that you feel like sharing. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you tonight. Sarah, what have you been up to, buddy? A lot. Okay. Uh, very busy right now. Um, TV-wise, uh, been watching, sort of watching Visions, Star Wars Visions. I'm not going to be the most positive about that one. Not my thing, but hopefully it's somebody else's thing. Uh, Wife and I are watching the reboot of Charmed. I didn't know there was a reboot of Charmed. I had heard vaguely that there was a reboot of Charmed. It's on Netflix. Uh, Surprisingly, it's pretty good. Hey. I actually am kind of, I'll say kind of, I've been pretty much enjoying it. Other than that, I've been taking long walks in the woods uh, with a couple friends. I didn't know uh, well, close. No, not even close. We're pretending to hunt geese, but oh. every time we go out, we see ducks, deer, or muskrats, and none of which do us any good. So, like I said, we're pretending to hunt geese. Mostly sitting out in the woods, staring at decoys, blowing into decoys or blowing into the little goose calls, and watching other things fly around. <laughs> 
Do you have the dog, the, the snickering dog? That's no. really important for hunting a fowl. I wish I did. That. No, I have a 17 year old and a uh, kayak. Technically, it's a friend of mine's kid, and they bring their kayak in case we have to go out in the water, which uh, so far means we've carried a kayak in and out of the woods. <laughs> and that's about it. But we've had some fun. We've made uh, some devices to retrieve our imaginary geese that we're getting. <laughs> Otherwise, just having fun, kind of hanging out, just relaxing. Because hunting geese, you can actually sit there and chit chat. You don't actually have to be like super quiet. Mm. So you you sit there and you chit chat, play cards until something comes along, and then you try to make them come to you. And my uh, goose calls work really well in calling in ducks and deer. You, your calibration so you hunt... been off. You need to go up or down and not yeah. on that. If you want to hunt any of those, I guess I'm your guy to take with you, but not for geese. All right. Well, it's happy to have you back with me tonight. It's been a little while since we've had the show. Just life gotten in the way, vacations, my internet, some other things like that. So it's been too long since we've chatted. Always a pleasure. So happy to have you with us tonight. And then Jeff, can you talk a little bit about what you've been up to, buddy? I'm glad to be part of this reunion. This is a very <laughs> emotional reunion episode for the two of you. But That's it very cool. Because of you. You you were the cream in this Oreo sandwich that without you would just be I... two crackers. I brought you together. That's so cool. I'm very, I'm honored and I'm thrilled. This is great. The emotional, there's, there's a lot of emotional stakes. This is like the Fresh Prince reunion. Like we brought us, we brought them, we've all brought together after yeah. such a long time. And surprise, we have the original Aunt Viv with us tonight. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh-oh, drama. Oh, we got to settle that drama. No, again? <laughs> again. Oh, God, that's horrible. Poor Aunt Viv. Yeah. Oh no. Um, well, let's see. What if I, well, so yeah, you're talking about media diet. Um, well, I was also uh, recently surprised by a Netflix reboot. Uh, I watched, uh, recently watched the new He-Man oh. and I, I was not a fan necessarily of the original He-Man, but my, uh, but my wife was out of town and it was like, what should I do with my life? Oh, I know. I'll watch this He-Man show on Netflix. Yeah. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised because the smart thing that they did with it was make it feel as much like the original cartoon as possible with just some polish on the animation and some maturing of the themes and the storytelling. But for, but the puns are there. Like They didn't try to like completely wipe the slate clean they just made a saturday morning cartoon for adults and it's something i have said for a long time that people would want my generation would absolutely want that we don't necessarily need transformers as like a big disgusting uh you know cg monster like we could all we could just have the cart you could just do the cartoon again but just age it age it up for the people who uh who grew up with it so anyway i was pleasantly surprised i think they did right by it and i'm looking forward to the second half um rumor has it early 2022 probably february great yep. well i can i can wait and i will wait i i <laughs> that's what i'll do i'm reading a really good comic right now that i think you guys would enjoy um it's called orcs in space and uh it was created uh it's for oni press and it was created by uh, justin roiland who did rick and morty and basically the premise is that like three D type orcs who are maybe not they're not top orcs these are like low level orcs uh accidentally hijack the equivalent of a star trek spaceship 
And uh, all of the Federation, in this case, the comic, they're called Starbleef. Uh, all of Starbleef is after them, but they are sort of, uh, through no fault of their own, sort of uh, evading them in funny and, and, and cool ways. So it's, a, it's fun and it's got a bit of action. It's really well illustrated. And, uh, I really enjoyed Orts in Space. It's a really good comic. Okay. Sounds fun. Yeah. Anything what else? have you been up to, Michael? Nope, okay. oh. um, a whole bunch. Uh, I haven't been doing a lot of the regular streaming during the week weekdays for video games. I've been back door dashing just about every day, uh, trying to make some extra money to pay off some bills. Uh, that's going to continue for the foreseeable future, but I do have plans to eventually get back to that. Uh, TV-wise, we binged the entire Midnight Mass, which came out just a couple of days ago on Netflix by Mac Flanagan, who has done some really good Stephen King adaptations. This is very much a Stephen King story, but not by Stephen King. Uh, really well done. Probably an episode too long, which is kind of a standard for Netflix, I think. Uh, it's seven episodes. It could really be six, maybe even a really tight five. Uh, but it's got some really good moments. It goes in some places that you don't expect. It goes in some other places you do expect, but there's enough track laid that you feel kind of smart because you saw it coming. And it gets kind of deep and kind of dark like it's uh it's not quite a happy ending story and there's a lot of conversation about death uh both because it's happening and just people have failed the tragedy i think that's the stephen king feels that these are some broken people uh forced in this just you know supernatural sort of situation but it's it's really good i would definitely recommend it uh titans on hbo max when this show was mm. first came out i did not like the look of it. I, I watched the pilot and was actively like, no, this is not for me. And so I kind of fell off of it. I, I watched Doom Patrol. I watched the first full season of Doom Patrol, most of the second, and then I kind of fell off of it as well. And then just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try Titans again. And now I love it. Like I got past that pilot, maybe because I had already seen it once. And now we're into the third season, which just started coming out. And now it's kind of getting bad again, in my opinion. Like I actually think Back at season uh-huh. one, all of season two, I I loved it. I was like hooked on it, and season three is really rocky, up and down for me. There, it's doing some weird stuff, and I don't. It's not quite what I'm looking for, but I want to stick with it because it is is good enough that I'm I'm invested in the characters at this point. I'm willing to to ride it out and see if maybe it'll you know the the journey will be worth it if when we get to the end of the season. Well, uh, Godspeed. I hope that they <laughs> I hope that they write the ship. Well, I mean, it may just be me. Like, it may be amazing, but uh, it, it seems Not to it, your taste. Some, some odd cha- uh, choices from, from my taste. Uh, but a couple <laughs> of news things I need to touch on really quickly. Of course, a Catacon. Could not go through an episode without dropping a Catacon news. Uh, we are still having a Catacon in person November 5th, 6th, and 7th at the Dayton Convention Center. I have signed a contract, so I will be there because I have to pay the money if no one shows up. So I will be there, oh, man. even if no one else does. Though it actually does seem like we're going to have probably around 200 people. I was really hoping for like 300. Oh, wow. I think we're probably going to come closer to 200 this year. But uh, if you're willing to travel and or you're local to Dayton and you want to come play some games at a small convention, smaller than even usual, with some amazing people, please consider coming out and supporting us and helping us out. We are not requiring vaccination status. We're encouraging everyone, please get your vaccination. I have mine. Oh, my, my wife does. My kids mine. do the moment they are able Me too. to get it. But we are not requiring it only because I have been to a convention that requires it, and this is not any sort of slight on them. 
but it's kind of a joke. Like they're like, show me your card. I could have shown them anything. They're not going to know. Uh, I could easily print something off the internet in two minutes that would look like a vaccination card. And I would rather people just not show up if they're concerned than to show up thinking they're going to make sure there's no one here without a vaccination. And I'm like, I mean, we'll do what we can. So that's why we're not required. It's not that we don't believe in it. I just, I don't believe I can police that well enough to justify saying to someone, I'm going to make sure that everyone's vaccinated when I really can't prove that. Uh, but we will be masked. Dayton has a mask mandate, so everyone will be masked the entire time. So awesome. we've got that going for us. But if you are not willing or able to travel and you would still like to support Catacon and play some amazing games that weekend, we are actually having an online companion event called uh, Catacon-Line. Got all of that. Uh, the same weekend, November 6th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, a uh, friend of the show, Luke Hare, is actually sort of heading that up for us. Uh, he submitted. And he's games. a great guy. He is. He's been on the show a couple of times. Sorry, I'm a friend of. I'm a friend of Luke. I like Luke. Yeah, so he's, he's I again, give, him, give him the rub. I've uh, been on the show before. We'll probably be on the show again. And he's heading that up. He will be sort of running that the weekend. So if you want to play some virtual games, uh, you can do that. There is a small fee for the badges, and honestly, that's just to kind of help support a Catacon because this year's going to be. It's probably going to be a financial loss, if we're being honest. So this is just a way to kind of help us out a little bit as well. But same weekend, November 5th, 6th, and 7th, if you go to Tabletop Events, you can search for a Catacon. We'll probably find both of them. But one of them is a Catacon, one's a Catacon line. So the one with the longer name is the online version. Action 12 Cinema. I got my edits back from my editor, and they were a lot of what I expected. I I have no sense of grammar. Again, I'm, I'm a product mm-hmm. of the Kentucky educational system, so the fact that I speak <laughs> English at all is pretty much a miracle. Uh, but for the most part, it was, you know, comma splices, weird capitalization mistakes. I, I love throwing dashes and M dots and sentences that don't need them. Uh, but there were only a few, like, actual, this section doesn't make sense, or, you know, this isn't really saying what you think it is. And I have another vacation coming up in a couple weeks. And I'm going to take that vacation and, and get the, the new revision done. But once again, no one has actually come forward and said, Michael, this is a waste of time. You're an idiot. Why are you doing this? So until they do that, we're going to keep moving forward. And right now, the timetable is probably middle of next year or Kickstarter. That, that's the plan. Um, so hopefully, you know, we're, we're going to be close to that. I'm hoping earlier in the year, but my editor's like, it's your first game. Let's not <laughs> get ahead of ourselves. But, um, but Michael, isn't, uh, isn't having a bunch of grammatical errors well within the spirit of bad movies which the game is uh is an engine for creating yes like the um didn't i believe it was i was just thinking about b movies with with famous grammar errors i believe it wasn't that the film tammy and the t-rex i think it originally had like a i think it was called i forget exactly what it was but i think it was originally like t-a-m why is that they actually like misspelled the title of the movie yes like in its original release i always thought that was like amazing because like what an amazing grammar mistake to misspell the title of your movie because it's one thing okay you're doing you're doing a a crawl of the lore you know at the but to misspell the title that is a dedication to the bad movie arts and I appreciate that. I'm a big fan of how did this get made? And they did an episode on that recently. And that's actually covered yeah. that because it actually has like three different titles, depending on where you're looking for it. Uh, yes. Very uh, entertaining. So if you like the, the podcast, how did this get made? Which you should, because it's awesome. Action 12 cinema is, is absolutely creating a game that will create a movie that would be on uh, how did this get made? 
Um, Absolutely. So look for that again. I'm gonna be at Sin. That's actually the other thing. I'm gonna be at Sin City Con this weekend, uh, running several play tests. Um, the rules really haven't changed since last time, but I'm just trying to get better at like the pitch and organization. I'm still getting getting some feedback. I mean, I'm sure it'll get tweaked. Uh, but if you're going to Sin City Con this weekend, I will be there running games, and hopefully, I'll see you there. Uh, so that was a very long extracurricular segment. So let's move in now to 10 things. This is our first improv game where we'll take turns prompting one another with a prompt of 10 somethings. And then the, uh, whoever gets prompted has to try to come up with 10 examples that fit the prompt. The idea of the game is immediacy is better than accuracy. So coming up with a really fast list of 10 things that doesn't make sense is actually better than coming up with a list of 10 things that doesn't make sense if it takes you too long. Uh, Jeffrey, you are the guest tonight, so would you like to go first, second, or third in terms of giving the prompt? I will go second in terms of giving the prompt. Okay, so that means you will go first in receiving the prompt. So that, that's, that's fine, because I want to get this out of the way. This is the part <laughs> of the show that I am most apprehensive about. Let's see if I can, let's see what I can do. And this may be a lot of nonsense, however well, I am. I mean, that's kind of what I we're aiming this. for here. Uh, Fair enough. So, okay. So you, you've shown your bona fides that you know some stuff about bad action movies, and that's something near and dear to my heart. So, Jeffrey, give me 10 bad action movies. 10 bad action movies. Hologram Man. What? Uh, uh, Tammy and the T-Rex, which does contain quite a bit of action in it. Um, uh, Mr. Pickles, Action action Time. Three. Uh, the... Uh, the 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 dragon, the witch, and the bomb that exploded. Poor. Um, the uh, everybody knows Harry's a ninja. Five. Five. Uh, surf ninjas. That's actually a great movie. Six. Uh, the Surf Ninjas Three. Uh, re- return of the Surf Ninjas again. Uh, we've got uh. We've got the the we've got hey somebody diffuse this dynamite please eight. that's eight. eight. Uh we've got um we've got hologram man two. Have you even seen the first hologram man? It's yeah. worth seeing. Uh and ten, uh we've got uh we've got whoa exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Now here's the funny here's the funny thing. See, I watch bad 80s movies literally all the time. I've watched tons of them. Every week I watch every weekend I watch them with my partner. But when it comes to naming things off the top of my head, I have a very hard time doing it. So so I so yeah, so it was more nonsense than than uh thing. But I I uh but yeah, it's all right, good. I'm glad to say, I'm not kidding. I love the movie Surf Ninja. It is absolutely a fabulous movie, and more people should watch it. All right, so Jeffrey, you now get to prompt Chris for his list of 10 things. Okay, Chris, uh, you are, uh, let's see, you are a seasoned outdoorsman. Uh, what uh, What are 10 things that you just, you cannot do without on a camping trip? Oh, uh, well, you have to have matches. One. Uh, a tent. Two. Sleeping bag. Three. Water bottle. Four. Uh, compass. Five. Uh, radio. Six. 
Soap. Nine. Fishing pole. Eight. Uh, deck of cards. Nine. And uh, my favorite role-playing game. Ten. Ten. Whatever it happens to be that week. Ten things. All right, let's close the loop here. Chris, what's my list? All right. Uh, let's go with 10 things you want to see happen at a catacon. People show up. One. People I don't know are showing up, show up, and buy badges at the door. Two. A lot of people play games they've never played before. Three. People buy things from the vendors who are there to sell things and make money. Four. A weird rash of like 80 degree weather in November in Ohio. Five. The barbecue place has a half off sale. Ooh, six. That'd be good. Um, <laughs> the internet works there. Seven. The people who work there don't make me mad. Eight. Our banners get hung. Nine. Our banners don't get charged extra for being hung. Ten. Ten. Yay. Ten. Those are some real grievances. Anyway, thank you both for playing. <laughs> uh, we actually do have a few people who have been watching. Please uh, thank you for hanging out with us. There will be a section at the end where we take questions specifically. But if there's anything you want to comment as we're going, feel free to throw it into chat. Uh, but we're going to move into used books. So this is usually the kind of the biggest, meatiest part of the show. The idea here is that one of us is going to talk about a game or campaign that we either played in or ran and working for like lessons learned, things that went well that we have carried forward and have tried to you know, uh, repeat in other games, other campaigns, or maybe something that didn't go so well. We tried a new thing and it fell flat and we learned to try to avoid it or maybe try to do it differently. So Jeffrey, you're the guest tonight. What game or campaign yeah. did you want to talk about, sir? I'm going to talk about a game called Straight to VHS. See, when you talk about Action 12, I'm like, I'm the target market for this game because I love role-play games and I love bad 80s, 80s and 90s You are, in movies. fact, the Venn diagram is the perfect service. Of this. I'm the perfect service. And, and we, I, I actually um, am a player on an actual play podcast called Worst Movies Ever Played. It's on uh, the Starburns Network with uh, Harmontown and other nice. comedy-focused shows. So thank you, yeah. And, uh, and it's an actual play where we play a game called Straight to VHS, which, uh, which has uh, a similar premise, but to action. It's about uh, creating these role-playing games, but it came out several years ago. Um, so it would be interesting to see what a, a new take on, on this would be. And I, you, you had talked about something very interesting when, when you talk about the features, which is that it's GM-less. And that's something I'd like to hear more about um, because this game does have a director. Um, and uh, I wonder if the dynamic of the movies would change if uh, if that weren't the case. But um, so, yeah, let me tell you a, uh, about uh, playing straight to VHS. Um, so uh, so basically the premise of the, the show, the actual play is uh, the three of us, we're all comedians. We all lo love bad movies. And uh, and so every episode is a one shot where we are creating a bad movie from scratch using the system and, uh, and we're playing it through. So we've done ones, uh, we've done, did horror ones where like teenagers use witchcraft to create self-driving cars. Um, we, did, uh, we did one called Space Squad that is in no way a ripoff of a better known space star property uh, it is in no way, it is not similar to it, it is legally distinct from another star property. So it's sort of like Battle of the Stars and a lot of those uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Um, 
And, uh, and so, so I'll tell you about one of the games that we played. Um, so uh, I have this, I, I, I had this character, I was in a, a comedy troupe in college and we did, um, we did this, uh, I, I would do this character sometimes for our videos that was sort of like an action hero. It was sort of a gritty action hero type who would talk through gritted teeth. And uh, we would do, I, I did the show, we did it for years. I did it as, um, we, we did these videos with sort of parodying Street Fighter. And I did that character um, as like a parody of Guile. I, I, I did that. Uh, so I dressed up in like army fatigues and stuff. And, hey, you uh, and Dan have that in common. <laughs> army fatigues? No, basically a caricature of that character. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Do you do a do you do a caricature of like the action hero archetype guy? No, no, I'm sorry. There, there's the movie called Street Fighter that Jean Claude Van Damme was in. Oh, that was oh, terrible. Oh. And you he said, basically no, no, did I'm... a very bad characterization of the Gal character. Yes, I am. I I misheard when you said. I thought you said. Uh, I thought you said Chris does a, does no. an impression. I was like, no. oh, Chris has one of these characters. Oh, great. No, oh yes. Is, yeah. Oh no, no, no. The accent got in the way. Oh yeah, all good. Yeah, so I'm very familiar with the Street Fighter. Uh, the the you it, for you it was the most significant day in your life, and for me it was a Tuesday. <laughs> oh man, thank God, wow, Raul Julia got to eat so much scenery. Yes, I was. I just imagined him at the craft services table, like literally eating like pieces of the of the laboratory where they created Blanca. Uh, that movie is horrible. Uh, I could go, I could go for a no, long sorry, time. I didn't mean to derail you. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I could absolutely talk for a long time about the street fighter movie. Um, but um, so, okay, so I do it. So, so I would do this character and then I brought him back when a couple of years later, um, for a viral video that I did uh, in early YouTube. I did, was doing some early YouTube comedy stuff and we did a, a video called uh, Bank Codes where uh, I play a, a guy who's sort of like a Liam neeson type or Harrison Ford type uh, whose daughter has been kidnapped and they want the bank codes. The kidnappers want the bank codes from me. And I cannot, for some reason, I am completely incapable of giving them the bank codes. So I'll have like, okay, I've got the damn codes in front of me. And they'll be like, okay, great. Read me the code. It's like, oh, is that what you want me to do? And then I like eat the, like literally like eat the code. They're like, why would you do that? We need these codes. And it's like, I don't know. I got hungry. So, um, so when we started doing uh, straight to VHS, I was like, oh, this is a good opportunity to bring back that character that's like that I have a lot of fun playing this like dumb action movie archetype so I we the three of us so so unlike a traditional D&D campaign where maybe the the DM you know decides what the where the story is going you know we the three of us decide together like what type of movie we want to make you know and and so we brought up like Chuck Norris like we brought up like like plane thriller, like uh, Air Force One, but there's a lot of like sub Air Force One type movies. And there's certainly a lot of like Chuck Norris, like I got to defeat the terrorist type movies. Yeah. Um, so I was like, so I pitched that and we were like, yeah, yeah, that'd be, that'd be perfect. Um, it's literally like what the system straight to VHS is like designed for because, you know, combat is sort of a central focus. 
lately we've done a lot we've also done a lot of uh games where combat was not the focus at all like we re- we recently recorded an episode that's like a milo and otis uh type movie like a like a talking animal mm. comedy um which is not necessarily what the system is built for although there are tropes that are like talking animals so i guess maybe they 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 were considering it but i think when when we think of the bad 80s movie i think we think of the action movie that's typically like that's typically like the one that we that's the typically like the genre that we think of um so it's like a good opportunity to pitch that uh to to do that uh to bring that character back so um so we Patrick is our uh, director in the game that they call a director. So Patrick is the director and uh, we, we start and we're on this, we're on this plane and uh, we're on air force one. And it turns out that my best friend played by another comedian, Brent, the third, he, we were army buddies together until he got killed, but they saved his brain and they transported his brain into Air Force One. So he is now a sentient airplane. And so I am hired just, the plane can go on its own, but I'm hired as sort of the plane's bodyguard just to be on the plane, just to make sure everything goes smoothly. And it turns out that there are terrorist stowaways, German terrorists in uh, in in the plane. And so not only do, does my character have to defend the plane, have to have to stop, you know, stop these terrorists, but also has to defend my best friend who is an airplane. And I can't, I can't let him die again. Um, so one of the things that, uh, one of the tropes that, that I built into my character. So, uh, you know, part of the way the game works is you pick two tropes. And the tropes give your character personality, but also gives your character like powers. So like an abilities. So it's sort of attached. So it's sort of attached to the character is these like abilities that you have. And one of the tropes uh, that I thought was really funny, I still think it is, is um, an ability that's like sponsored. It's like sponsorship. It's like product placement. So the trope is that like your character is like a thin shill for whatever product it it is. And so I thought, oh, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and so I picked like a badass trope and sponsored trope. So I was like, well, what's, what could be like the spot? What could be like a sponsor for this movie? And I was like, oh, you know, what? I watch a lot. Of, I watch a lot of wrestling um, I used to watch a lot of WWE. I switched over to another show, AEW. But on WWE, uh, which is uh, one of its target markets, is like is like middle aged guys, like you know, and uh, it's it's a lot, and you know, it's like a bad ad, it's a show about like people fighting, and they have constant ads for GasX and like Rolades and stuff. So I was like, wouldn't it, it would be really funny? I think if this character was sponsored by a brand called Gut Toys. Um, where you chew on them and it fixes your gut problem. So um, in this game, I get shot at a lot. Um, And the thing is in like a Chuck Norris movie, typically, you know, he avoids all the, the, you know, he avoids all the bullets, you know, they can avoid all of them or maybe they get one and it like nicks their arm or something like that. It's like, Oh, my arm, you know, but uh 
what was happening was I was rolling very poorly. And so uh, the ability of guttoids is to like, like if I like mention, if I like take guttoids in the game, it like heals me. Hmm. So what ha- kept happening is in the game, it would be like, okay, the director would be like, okay, you got hit. And I was like, yes, I got hit in my guts. And it's like, oh, my irritated bowels. I better take a pop of guttoid. Cures what ails you. And because I kept rolling poorly, that keeps happening like over and over again. So it gets to be ridiculous. It gets to be pretty ridiculous that I've taken like all these bullets in my guts. And then I'm like fixing, like I'm fixing them all with, uh, with guttoids. Um, we, uh, so we do the, we do the, the game and uh, we finish the game and, uh, and it's a lot of fun. And I, I, it's, you can, uh, folks, you can listen to it at worst movies ever played. You can listen to, uh, how it goes. But, uh, the funny thing that happened was, um, almost immediately, maybe a month or two after playing this character, uh, I start having bad GI tract oh, no. issues. <laughs> yeah, I you had sort of, method. I went to <laughs> method and I, I guess as part of me was like, maybe it was like subconsciously like realizing that like, you know, shit was going wrong, literally. Um, And, uh, and that like, it was like affecting the character. It's affecting my character choices. Um, So I I just imagine in like, uh, you know, imagine in like another five years, like playing this character again for something, but this time like, oh, he's got like, rheumatoid arthritis like it's just like this character is just gonna get more and more like physically ill with like more and more problems as I like get as like I get older uh so anyway that's uh that's a little bit about uh about playing the game and about bringing back a character that uh that I had dusted off that I didn't think in in college or even a couple years that, that I would get an opportunity to play again but it was a real pleasure to to bring that character back and maybe change him a bit um you know adapt him to uh to me to me as a person i was mm-hmm. i'm changing and so and the character is naturally changing too which i think is interesting right so a couple things there that I, i'd like to maybe touch on for one uh there will be links in the show notes to anyone who wants to go check out the podcast i'll make it as easy as possible uh and then the i've never actually heard of straight to vhs i should have it sounds like a game i probably would like to play and i definitely <laughs> have to look at it now that my game's closer to being done and make sure it's not like the same game uh where do people <laughs> find that game that's at Lost Cat Games. Okay. Um, you know, it's interesting. I'm not sure exactly what the status of it is. I, 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 it was, it came out in, I think it originally came out in 2016, 2017. But I think it's, and they, uh, there's a new, relatively newish version, I think that came out in 2019. Um, he's really nice, the guy, uh, Ryan Mellon, who developed it. He's really cool, um, really cool guy. Um, they changed the game significantly um, in its update. They turned it from a D20 system to, um, to a dice pool system with D6 dice. And it really affected the game dramatically because in the early episodes, you'll see uh, we die constantly, mm. which is very strange for like these kinds of 80s movies. Typically the lead characters don't die, but we die like all the time. I think there was... Maybe uh, some feedback that they had gotten was that the uh, it was really easy to get killed in this game. Um, the dice pool system and they made the the health uh, broader for characters. So 
So it, it now with the new system, it's we almost net we we don't die uh, quite as much, um, but we do die still on occasion, and we always make fun. In uh, in one game, I come back, the character dies, and then I like come back on a motorcycle as like the character's brother oh, cool. and like identical twin brothers. It's like, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I definitely I'm gonna have to get a copy of the game and check it out. Um, so Chris, I guess the thing that I thought was pretty interesting um, is the idea of, of bringing a character back. So to make this, because like your journey, Jeffrey, was a little bit different because it's more like an improv comedy routine bit that it inspired the character. But something that I've, I don't know that I've ever done is to like play a game with a character and then maybe play a different game or maybe years pass and then bring that character back to a new game. And I think that would be very interesting to experience because like you said, you know, you are a different person now. And a lot of times when we make role-playing game, you know, characters, they are our avatars. They are our avatars into the game. And yeah, I mean, I might play someone who's radically different than me, but there's still something about me that wanted to play that character. And that may have changed. So I guess I'll just ask you, Chris, have you ever had that happen either as a GM, game your brand, or as a player where you played a character, had a character in game, time passes and then you bring that same character back to a new game new experience i have uh back in college we played a first edition game and i played the big lizard uh lizard man warrior kith who was trying to become the greatest warrior for the kingdom of teutonia i think is what it was called and i brought him back in fourth edition completely different feel completely different feel just a the, the game mechanics change yeah, the, the mechanics character completely yeah dictate that but like do you feel like you changed in those intervening years so that your portrayal of the character had evolved a, a little bit i think i was actually a little bit better at role-playing later probably i'd polish that yeah up. part of it too is a different game master so completely different setting couldn't quite capture the feel of the character because he was a little a little brash, a little bit rude, and a little quick to uh, punch something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not quite barbarian rage, but he was quick to go, oh, are you challenging me? Well, slap. Mm. Challenge over. <laughs> and at the table the second time, that's just not how the other players wanted to play. So it made it a little different. Uh, the first group, it was nice because I had a couple players who wanted to play the intermediate person going, hold on, hold on. Don't punch somebody yet. Let me finish talking. Yeah, yeah okay, go ahead and punch him now. Right. <laughs> so that made for some really good role-playing. Uh, actually, one of my favorite role-playing moments ever was with Kith the first time where one of the other guys was playing a wizard. I'm playing the fighter, and we debated in character for about two hours in real time about how my character thought it was stupid that you cast a spell and forget it when he never forgets how to swing a sword. And the magician huh. trying to explain to him, well, no, I can gain power, but I only have a certain amount of power. Again, my character going, well, I, I never run out of sword arm power. Like, <laughs> this is silly. Said, it went on for like two hours. It was, it was a lot of fun. And it was really neat because you know, it was him trying to explain to my character who, I mean, he wasn't the brightest light bulb, <laughs> what magic is. And he just couldn't grasp the concept. Right. Like, this just is not fun. Trying to capture that feel later with a different table just it wasn't the same for me mm-hmm. um, trying to have those moments. People were just like, ah, you're a fighter. Go punch something. Or, Wait till we tell you to punch something. 
so it, it definitely wasn't the same. I was hoping for the it's the same kind of feel, but you know, Kith led to a lot of really neat role-playing moments where the party had to kind of work their way out of political situations that, uh, you know, again, punching things quick got us into trouble, but yet it also helped us get through the door sometimes. So it was neat. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, I think it's interesting that you, that you adapted the character to the play style of the group. Um, yeah. I think that's, re- I, I think that's really cool. I mean, it, it's, you know, it shows uh, like a receptive, especially as a DM, it shows like a real like receptiveness. Cause I think there are some DMs who would just be like, this is, this is who Kit is. This is always who Kit will be. Kit always punches, you know. And, uh, but you recognize that uh, for your group, that wasn't, that wouldn't have been fun. That wouldn't, that would have weighed on them. And so you adapted, yeah. you adapted the character, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I, just changed it from he's going to punch something to looking at the face of the party going, come on, let's go. Remember, we have a mission. We're late. You know, we, you know, more one track mind versus just punching everything. So that actually brings a, a question I think is interesting is would it been, would it then be more appropriate to have created a different character? Because, like, is that truly Kit if you've changed the character? I'm not saying you shouldn't. I think it, it makes yeah. sense to modify your play style for the table you're in but at that point are you actually playing the same character or is it just the same name no. it was the same name it definitely wasn't the same character oh wow but it was the, that it was that it felt that different yeah wow yeah, I, I, a big difference was between first and fourth edition and that and the group uh the group i played in college we would take a little bit of pride in the fact that we could play for three, four hours and never roll dice Mm -hmm. where when we switched over to fourth edition, it was, if I go more than three or four minutes without rolling dice, something was off. (laughs) It felt like I'm exaggerating that a little bit, but it wasn't quite the same feel, different players, different style, different table. That's a, by the way, that happens, uh, that happens with us in, in, uh, in the podcast. So well, I'll realize that we'll, I'll play it back and I'll realize like, oh, you know what? Like, it's been like 20, we're like 20 minutes in, 25 minutes in and like nobody has rolled dice. And sometimes I'll, we'll actually go, I'll actually go back and like record like a quick scene of a dice roll at the beginning, just to make sure that people know and understand like the mechanics of the of the show and the game to make sure that it right. people actually get like people actually get it but yeah i think when you're really into a role-playing game uh you know some of the mechanics can just go by the wayside because you just get so invested in the characters talking to each other which doesn't require any role-playing like you're saying like the debate that you you two had like um which i'm sure was really entertaining to watch like um, you know, it doesn't require dice roll unless you want to be like, all right, let's see if you convinced me that, uh, you know, that uh, my magic is weird. You know, it's like, OK, right. roll your intelligence against this, you know, constitution or whatever to see if this debate could continue. You know, the um, which I just I find that uh, I find that really I, I find that really interesting that that, that can that, that can definitely happen. Right. I've had those sessions to like play styles and like what people yeah. want from the game. Because for some people, the fun is the, you know, success. And for others, right. it's the journey. 
And in that case, it's just, you know, the fact that we're talking in character is fun for us. So, yeah, you don't need rules for that. Like, at that point, you may argue, are you even playing D&D? Because you're just basically doing an improv exercise <laughs> in that framework. I, I would still say that it's D&D, because I think D&D encapsulates that as well. But for some people, it's not fun unless there is a winner. Like, what was the point of right. the conversation? Was it to convince one or the other that you were right or wrong? Or was it just the entertainment of having the conversation was the point? You know, your mileage may vary, but I, I, I'm more in the camp of just the conversation being entertaining is the point. So let's just enjoy that. Well, you, you take something like uh, like World of Warcraft, right? Like, yeah, you, you could win World of Warcraft. You could beat bosses in World of Warcraft. But there's also people who just like learn a craft. They just like, yeah, I'm just going to learn to like bake in World of Warcraft. And then they like bake in World of Warcraft. And they, it's just like a baking game. And I don't know, is there a winner if you bake a lot? And, in world of warcraft like it it's it's but it is what it is a game like there's there's you know at the very least it's like interactive entertainment experience mm-hmm. um i think that the i think that the thing that makes dnd dnd even if you're not actively you know battling is the is the the structure of the lore it's the structure it's the character sheets that give your character structure of like, okay, this is, you know, what does it mean if I am a human wizard and you are, uh, you know, a barbarian dwarf, you know, it's just, it's like, what are the, you know, what do we mean to each other? Like it comes with so many different, there's just so much there that's different. It's not the same as like going up on an improv show and being like, we're in a McDonald's. It's like, and it's on fire, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, It, there's all this like struck there's all this like structure so even if you just decide to like goof around and have fun you're still definitely playing within the world you're just playing the way that your group wants to play is how i see it so i'm similar similar to similar to you michael so you actually mentioned that did remind me of one instance that that kind of fits this this prompt um this is right when fourth edition was coming out um uh, Again, I had kind of gotten out of the game for a little while. I had moved. My, I didn't have a gaming group. I wasn't sure if I was ever going to play again. So I kind of had gotten rid of my books thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm older now. Like, I don't know if this is something I'm going to do anymore. And then fourth edition hit. And I decided just to like, yeah, it's interesting. I'll check it out, you know. And I, I really liked some of the things that the fourth edition book did. And I've talked about it many times. I have weird opinions on fourth edition. I don't think it's nearly as bad as a lot of people do. But I also got kind of tired of it after playing it for a little while. But it brought me back into the game. It reinvigorated my love for the hobby. So for that, I will ever be grateful. Um, so I went to a game store when 4th Edition came out because I didn't have a gaming. I was like, I went to there. They did some like, play tests. And I kind of got into like a, like a weird sort of store-ran campaign. And I started playing a character called Etok, which was a barbarian, very similar to Kith. I'm the absolutely punch yeah. it first, don't worry about questions later type of barbarian. But the game at the store wasn't a lot of fun. I really wasn't enjoying the people I was playing with. And you know, I think I probably even missed sports. So I eventually started a group sort of off of that. Like I found a couple of people that were like like-minded and that would seem more interested in role play. And I, we kind of created our own group and I sucked them away from the store. And so I wanted to play eTalk in that group. So I basically recreated eTalk for a different group. But he really was the same character. I just got a chance to play them a little bit more and sort of flesh them out. And then that game didn't last very long either. It eventually fell apart. So I don't know that there was like a difference other than I was, I didn't feel like I'd gotten 
eTalk out of my system. Like I wanted to experience eTalk and that game where I created them, I played two or three sessions and it just wasn't what I wanted. Um, and I, I actually, I had a lot of fun with eTalk until he died because eTalk was the punch first, ask questions later. And I think yeah. there were like, right. um, we were in like huge cavern, like with like, we were on these stilt like things and it was so far down, you couldn't see the bottom. And eTalk's like, I'll just jump between, between them because that's what eTalk would do. And I didn't roll very well. So that was the end of the talk. Yeah, that's I, that was. Uh, I've definitely in, uh, played a lot of characters who are like that, like barba- have a barbarian attitude, basically. Who like yeah, like I, I I love it because I love a character who acts on instinct. I think they're really fun to play. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't want a character who is smart because uh, often because then I have to like. I have to actually like figure out like, okay, like what is like the smartest thing? I kind of just like, oh, I have a character who acts like instincts. So let me just figure out what their instinct is and play like true to their character. And like, that's why I don't think of, because I play, do a lot of actual play. Like I don't even think of like role play games as like a thing you win anymore. Like I feel like you win if you've created an entertaining experience. Mm-hmm. That to me is like the that to me is like the victory scenario. And characters who are to act on their instincts, who are like deep in their characters, who you I oh I have definitely like played, been like oh this is probably a bad idea, but I should definitely I should definitely do it because right. this is without question what this character would do, um, for sure. So yeah, I can I could definitely relate to that. So that takes me to a different avenue. I, I'll I'll ask you to because I have. I have an interest. I, well, I think it's an interesting answer, and I'll see what you think. So, I do think that those those players, those instigators, excuse me, those characters, those instigators, the ones who do things, as a DM, I love those characters because they keep the game moving. As a player, I sometimes wish other camp players wouldn't do that because I'm trying to sort of slow things down. And I want to figure things out. And I want to be that super smart you know, uh, inst- not even scared, like investigator and like solve the mystery rather than just kill everyone in the room and assume one of them was a murderer, you know, problem solved. So how do you two feel about that? So Chris, as a, as a player or as a DM, do you have a, an opinion on other people playing those types of characters? As long as the table's good with it, I'm okay. Okay. But if you do have players that are trying to develop a good scene and somebody else is just constantly well jumping in the pool i'll call it and i'll explain that analogy in a second but if you're always just basically jumping in the pool and ruining somebody else's scene then i want to say please stop like mm-hmm. we're developing our fun you can still have your fun in the middle of it um, <clears throat> or with us you don't have to change the character so much but just maybe he finds a shoelace untied before you jump in the pool Give yourself two seconds to let us kind of develop the scene. And the reason I say jump in the pool is, uh, I think it was Catacon three years ago. I can't remember exactly. I was running a, a Feng Shui game, and one of the players is communicating through a pool of water to a spirit to basically get the answers to how to beat the big bad guy. But one of the other players went, I jump in the pool. Right. And like the whole table looked at him like, really? Because he doesn't have all the information. He's like, yeah, I'm bored. I jump in the pool. Uh, yeah. 
and it completely ruined the whole scene for not just the player that was like having his moment, but the rest of the table, like it got real awkward for a moment. And that's where I I would caution people. If you're going to play that guy that wants to punch things first, make sure it's the right time to punch something first. Yes. It's a, yeah, you know, like an improv, it's a yes. And, you know, we, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to say it would be up on stage and be like, uh, we're at a McDonald's. And then the other person comes out and says, no, we're not. We're on a spaceship. That doesn't, you haven't built a scene there, you know, but if the other person on a spaceship, on a spaceship, then it's like, oh, okay. Then we're built. Now we're building together, you know, at, like there's like I think in any adventuring party there's room for somebody who you know punches first and asks questions later but you have to be the 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 it sounded like that that player was specifically like trying to tank the game because they wanted to do something else and everybody yeah. else was into it and that's not that's not being a good player that's not yes ending that is just trying to you know sabotage the game. And, uh, you know, the point isn't to sabotage. The, the point is to, uh, you know, is to play your character like everybody else to the best of their abilities. But in, in answering your, your, original, uh, your, your, your original question, Michael, I, so as a, so I, I do some uh, game design and I actually have a project that just came out recently that I'll, I'll talk more about um, later on in the show. But um, the, you know, as a, as a designer, I try to always think about like what does the this type of player want and what does this type of player want and what does this type of player want especially true in a combat scenario. I always think okay like there's going to be characters in this party who are really good at combat who have like you know they want to punch they want to fight but then like let me give something to like the player who is like an investigator. And like, maybe there's a way that the investigator could find something that would really help them defeat these monsters or could find something like a, like a hidden treasure in this encounter, you know? And for the social players, like, yeah, is there like, is there an opportunity to talk like maybe at the beginning or at the end of this, you know, wherein they can feel like, oh, it's okay where I'm not just, I just have to hit them with my staff and that's it. Like where they feel like they can shine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you can, as a designer, if you can offer those moments to your players, you know, then like people will feel satisfied, you know, sort of, sort of like building a jungle gym. And it's like, well, some kids are going to want to slide. Some kids are going to hang on the monkey bars. You know, some kids are going to want to go into those, those tubes. You know, they always have those tubes. Mm-hmm. So some kids want to go to those tubes. I so uh, they did the thing that nothing was designed for. I would like, climb on top of the monkey bars or hang off the side of the swing right yeah Yeah, which is fine which is like fine it wasn't designed for it but it accommodates it right so it's so it's cool so as long as as a designer if i'm thinking about that uh, i'm always trying to be conscious of that so we went in some pretty big circles there but (laughs) for the sake of time we're going to cut things off there so we'll throw it out to the audience if you have any thoughts examples anecdotes to share about bringing a character back to the table about a kind of an odd place you got inspiration for a character. Again, like in Jeffrey's case, like a, a, a completely different medium that you then brought into the role-playing space. Please share those with us. You can hit us up on Twitter at the RPG Academy or comment on this episode when it releases on the website. There's a comment section you can leave something or email us at the RPG Academy at gmail.com. Uh, but we're going to move into our second improv game, and this is 
uh, where have my fingers been? And this is where we're going to each take turns prompting one another to create a short scene involving two-ish individuals that we will mind map with our finger puppets, uh, and we will try to act out that scene with a beginning, middle, and end, though I often try to leave out at least one of those. Uh, Jeffrey, once again, you are the guest tonight, so would you like to go first, second, or third in terms of doing the show, with putting on the puppet show? I will go first. I will do the puppet show you first. Do the puppet show. Okay. Hmm. I'm uh, getting my fingers ready here. Chris, do you have something top of mind? Do you want to prompt Jeffrey? Sure. Sure. Uh, I'll go with the, I think we've mentioned it a few times. Uh, you're stuck in a McDonald's that's on fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm, oh, oh, I'm trying to break the glass door, but it won't break. Oh, well, hold on. Maybe we could get that Grimace statue. Let me, let's get that Grimace statue and let's use it as a battering ram to get through the glass. Okay. All right. Hold on. We'll get it together. Oh, 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 wow, that's heavier than I thought. I thought it was just cheap plastic. No, no, no. They really make these things too hard. Okay, ready? Oh, okay. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to carry it that far. We're, we're going to have to because this McDonald's is on fire. All right. Three, two, one. Oh, the plexiglass broke a tiny bit. That's, are we, do we really have the strength to do this again? We got to, or we're going to burn alive like these with these McGriddles. One, two, three. Oh, all right, it cracked. Tiny bit more. Almost got it. Okay, one more time. We got this. Don't lose your grip on the giant Grimace statue. We're going to get it. One, two, three. Oh, oh my God. There's glass everywhere. We're going to crawl out. Two, we're just crawling out. We survived. That's Yay! the. Yay. <laughs> they did it. They, they did, did it. it. All right, we, all right, Jeff. So you, uh, we forgot to sing the song. What's the song? I'm I just gonna say that. Oh, oh no! Right. Oh, God. So that's right. We gotta do it over. We'll give them the next one. No, I'm just kidding. I won't make you sing that. <laughs> um, so now you get to prompt me because uh, I will circle up Chris, but I, again, I will sing the song. Can't believe I forgot. My apologies, uh, New York Tater. I know you're not watching now, but at some point you'll listen to this and you'll be mad at me. I am sorry. Mm-hmm. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are both droids and uh, you are you are looking, uh, one of you is shut down da- is, is shut down and the other one is starting you up. Um, for the first time ever. So you're just coming online for the first time. Are you my mother? Yes. And that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I did like a whole play for some reason. <laughs> no, that's part of my gimmick is that I try <laughs> You like Better to keep it short. Yeah. Short and sweet. Uh, all Fair right, enough. Chris. Uh, both right, of these are space-themed, sort of. Hold Wait. Ah, oh, well, I'm, I'm still I'm thinking out loud. All right. Oh, okay. All right, but I got to gotta do the song. Okay. Right. Uh, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are just coming off stage from an improv show that went terrible, and they're each blaming the other. Uh Oh yeah, it's close to home. In yeah. space. Here. In space. Yeah. It's a space improvisation. I can't I can't believe you made that joke about the emperor. I mean he was here 
Like, do you know what happens when you make a joke about the emperor? Uh, yeah, you get promoted. No, you don't get promoted. You get demoted. You're going to end up on like, I don't know, an imperial podcast or something like that. What? A pot? Yeah, that's where our future is. Good job. If you had just done it right and not made fun of the emperor, we wouldn't end up on a podcast. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, let's go to the bar. That's right. where my fingers are. That's where your fingers. Yay! There's always a bar, even in the space <laughs> improv. There's always a bar that sells chicken wings, and they're not good, it's like bad chicken wings for a lot of money. But they they always get the business from after the space improv. So little red lights says recording in progress <laughs> i like that for those that can't see my kid snuck in and i thought he was going to say something so i kind of paused for a second just realized he's going to bed he could he's just going waved. to bed it's fine all right so with that we will move into the last part of the show here and this is cryptozoology and this is where we're going to talk about a creature or a monster often from DD, but doesn't have to be and discuss ways that maybe we have used this creature in the past and maybe brainstorm some ways that we could use it in the future. Uh, Jeffrey, once again, you're the guest tonight. What creature do you want to talk about? I'd like to talk about pixies. Pixies? Yes. What? Yeah. Some, uh, you know, it's interesting. This is one of those creatures that some people play at. They 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 make characters. They, they pl- want to play as pixies, and I don't blame them. Uh, I love pixies. I think they're great. I actually built them into as a major part of a recent a uh, one-shot campaign that I published on DM's Guild called Target Run. And uh, I love pixies because they are, I love that they're pranksters. I think that's great. And I love that they're fashion obsessed. So they're almost like, they're like social media monsters. They are like, they, they definitely like, if there's any monster that is going to have a YouTube channel or like an Instagram account, it's the pixies. And I think that's really, I think that's really cool. I love that they have like all this innate magic that they have like these powerful magic abilities, but they only have one hit point. So they are in theory, they're really easy to kill, but because they're pranksters with, with high magic ability, they're, they're not. And it's, uh, I think that's, I think that's really cool design. I think that's really, I think that's really fun. So uh, for the fifth edition version of the monster manual, they are on page 253. Um, as you already kind of indicated, they are, they have literally have one hit point. Um, they have a fly speed, low strength, high dex. Uh, they have um, magical resistance, innate spell casting, and superior invisibility. Basically, they don't want to be seen. They won't be. Uh, and then in the lore, it does talk about that they are very fashion conscious. They're pranksters. They will often... Uh, prank people and then kind of gauge their reaction and if they seem to be sort of angrier or violent they'll disappear but if uh, people take the, their pranks good naturedly they might approach them and offer them help and aid maybe help them you know, navigate through uh, a forest of some sort uh so chris have you ever used pixies in your game i don't, I don't know if there, is there a star wars equivalent of a pixie no no but i've run other stuff so uh i have but I did it more as a NPC for the party okay. because they had to escort the pixie through the forest because she was the queen of the pixies and was going to help save the forest. And then through it, and I can't remember what game system we were playing, but pixies had the pixie dust. But if it, I, I kind of stole it from Willow, where if it gets on somebody, mm-hmm. they fall in love with them. Mm-hmm. 
but one of the players decided to go through her stuff and well he fell in love with her and it turned into a real kind of a weird tragic comedy type thing it, it was definitely much more role-playing it wasn't anything to do with combat it was just to drive the story uh, i've never used him against the party uh, just because the the one hit point to me i guess unless you send a flock of them after him it, it yeah i want to say it feels it feels a little anticlimactic when you just hit something once and it falls down but that's just kind of my theory on it oh i i agree but i, I think i they definitely seem i always think of them as traveling in packs i never think of like it's like one pixie it's like we're yeah. looking at like a bunch of pixies and like they are very you know they can confuse the party they could do polymorph like they can they're they could be invisible they're really good at being invisible so it's like on the one hand yeah it's like in theory you should be able to like smack it like a like a bug but like if they're if the pixie is really on top of their game like they could they could really mess with you <laughs> i think that's what they're designed they think this is what they're designed to do is like to mess with you like make you really like why can't i kill why can't i kill this thing um that's messing with you um so i i think that's really i think that's really funny and fun it offers a nice change of pace yeah it's definitely not a combat encounter npc in my mind it's it's definitely like setup story role playing though you know i probably would take some of the lore from uh just more mythology lore that you know pixies they may only have one hit point but if i were to use them it probably would be unkillable unless you have like cold iron or magical weapons that one hit point is more of a all right, I'm done with you. If you hit me with something, I'm just I'm I'm not going to play with you anymore. I'll go away rather than actually killing them. Um, right. And yeah. I don't think it's Pixie specifically. I think it's more just Faye. But um, do either of you watch the show Supernatural? Yes. No, I don't. So, um, so there's Faye in the show, and one of the things that they've established. And I don't know if this is from folklore or not, but apparently, if you pour salt in front of a Faye, they are compelled to like sit down and count the the grains the grains of salt so that's one way that you can like trap a fae or de- determine if someone is a fae is if you just pour salt out if there's a fae in the room they cannot help themselves so if you think there's like if things start happening around camp like you know people's shoes are going missing their socks are thrown in the fire then like you think i think we got a pixie infestation you know you could have someone pour some salt and then see if any of the pixies come running to to pick it up or something like I, I think that would be kind of a fun thing. But I, the element I'm, I'm drawn to is that if you take their, their uh, tricks in like a good-natured spirit, they can become an ally. Where right. if you're trying to get through a place that is hard to navigate, the mysterious forest, the, you know, whatever. Maybe you're trying to get into a fey realm and you need to know where the door is or when it opens because it only opens if you eat a certain mushroom at a certain time. Because you're not actually going there, you just trip the balls on acid, whatever. Um, <laughs> But I would, I think that's how I would like to use Pixie. So, what about you, yeah. Jeffrey? You, you seem like you probably have used them before. Is there a specific incident? 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 No. Specific yeah, well, instance. That's the word I'm looking for. Instance, instance. that you'd like to talk about. Uh, yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll set. I have to set up a little bit. I'll talk a little bit about. Um, so I, this game uh, that I made, uh, and excuse me, I've been like fighting the sne- fighting these sneezes. It's very difficult. We're in hay fever season. Mm-hmm. And so I've been like fight, fighting seasons on camera. I hate it so much. Um, anyway, so uh, so in uh, Target Run, which is a one shot that I published on uh, DM's Guild. So it's um, 
it's like a sports comedy like uh like Caddyshack or the Mighty Ducks. So it's a D&D sports comedy. And uh so there is a sport in the game. And so that the setting is called Overtop Heights and it's this like elven spa and where they play this game called Allegan, which is like a an archery uh it's like a team archery sport that it's sort of like archery meets hockey meets laser tag and they play it at a very high level at you know they're the they are the uh the snobs in this uh in this in this world right and uh you are trying to break into the world of Allegan as a slob um so it turns out that the tree that the elves built over top heights into was uh was for a long time the home of this group of pixies and the elves they when they came to build the spot there was like a hermit who was living near the tree who was like yeah i own that tree i own this land and like oh so those elves like paid that hermit but then they they were like but the pixies were like no 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 you didn't you didn't buy anything we we own this this is our land like um and they 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 push them off the land. Now the pixies are nonviolent; they're non-confrontational. They'll flee whenever before getting into a physical altercation. So, but what's happened over the years is that the, these particular pixies have become a band of prankster revolutionaries, who uh, who basically, when these Allegan games happen, they prank the players and ruin their games. So they'll do, they'll like put players to sleep in the middle of the court. They'll like tie players' shoelaces together. They'll uh, cause players to like float at like awkward times or like cause their their bows to like miss the shots. And, uh, you know, there's a groundskeeper who is in charge of, you know, of, of getting the pixies out. Um, but the part of the game is uh, determining like, it's like what you as the heroes decide you want to do if you want to help the pixies uh, overthrow, uh, you know, their the the elves in this elitist uh, country club, or if you you know want to join the elitist, you know, you want to join because you want to join their game. So it presents like these interesting paradigm for the players. But I I was it, it came to me because I was thinking like, well, in Caddyshack, there's this the great Bill Murray and the Gopher. And like the gopher like keeps like like ruining this country. So I was like, well, what if the like what if could we make that more interesting? Like, what if it was like a group of people, like what if it was like more like people like uh adversaries, you know, who could potentially uh you know wreck things up? And when I was when I thought about the pixies, I was like, oh, that'd be that'd be perfect. Like a group of pixter prank pixie prankster revolutionaries would be pretty rad. Um, so that's how so that's how I've used uh, Pixies recently. Okay, uh, I actually think you kind of touched on it, how if there was any monster that would have like an Instagram account, I, I think that would be a fun encounter <laughs> where it's almost like there are like influencers, and maybe there's like a, a particular Pixie that doesn't have a strong following, or maybe they're losing their followers or losing their influence, <laughs> and the PCs have to help them regain that in some way, either by pretending to be Uber fans and making like, well, if these people like this pixie then maybe what you know what don't we get or it could even almost be like a she's all that sort of like glam up situation they take the one sort of dour goth pixie and like try to make them 
you know, more palatable, which we would learn the moral lesson that, you know, being yourself is the best thing you could ever do. But, but that could be just be like a fun little, like one off one shot situation where it's, it's not combat at all. It's just all role playing, trying to like help this pixie find themselves, uh, but also right. find a following. Maybe that could be fun. Or, 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 or making over your, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, or making over your party. Oh, like yeah. you may, you know, you may have helped them in some way, and in return, like they're gonna like completely, like they're gonna give you magical outfits, like mm. they're gonna give you new new weapons, you know. So um, you're gonna have this whole up. pixie style. Yeah, yeah. PCs get to go. That could be fun too. It's a makeover episode. Yeah, <laughs> I also makeover, like makeover one, game. One pixie who's like a serial killer, and their practical jokes keep killing people. And so then, oh you know, man! So it's like it should be innocent, but people keep dying. But there's no explanations. Like you know, someone died in a locked room, and you try to figure out what the mystery is. But it's actually just this one pixie who just honestly is like you know a serial killer pixie. And so you have to go to the pixies, befriend them, and then then find out who the perpetrator is, and then deal with that. Uh, you know, again, in a pixie who maybe can't be killed. So how do you get them? You know, how do you capture someone who can turn invisible at will and can stay hidden? That kind of thing. So that would be the dark version. Chris, any thoughts on a pixie encounter <laughs> before we move on? Well, you were talking about using them as pranksters. Don't you worry though that players might get frustrated if their you know gears messed with or what their goals are keeps getting interfered with by these pranks? Well, I think that the the way I designed it in uh, in Target Run. If you help the Pixies, they don't prank your team. They only prank the the team of the All-Stars. So it's a good way to get like a leg up in the competition. If you decide not to help them when you realize that they are they really need help, then you do incur their, uh, you know, you do incur their, their pranks. And so that is a disadvantage that you, that you, uh, that you have to deal with. So um, yeah, could it be frustrating? I mean, absolutely. But it's also like, I think if you're there's a table of like really funny and like interesting pranks. So I think it would be entertain. I think it would be entertaining, and also like because it's a, a sport, you know, and it's kind of like a funny module. I think tonally it works. You know, I don't think you would be like I, I can't imagine a player getting super frustrated when uh, you know when they're playing like a comedy sport. You know, as opposed to right. if they were being pranked while they were fighting you know, a crazy dragon or whatever that was about to eat them. And then there's like this pixies like, oh, God, what are these pixies doing? Why did they ruin, you know, they're ruining this fight, you know? Right. No, that actually would thinking. be really funny if like, there's a pixie who like, I'll get you someday. And then like <laughs> 10 years later in campaign time, he's fighting the <laughs> ultimate elder dragon and they go to draw their plus three sword and it's made of paper mache. Like the pixie has changed <laughs> their weapon right the night before. And they're just like, you know, F you written on the blade and sign Pixie at the bottom. That would actually I love be pretty, that. pretty fun. All right. So let's It'd move on. Fun, we'll, we'll wrap things up tonight <laughs> um, with our question and answer. Uh, I don't know if anybody's watching at the moment, so there may not be any questions, but I know there's also a little bit of a delay. So while we're waiting for anybody who has a question to answer one, Jeff, tell people where they can find you. And if you have any other products or projects you want to plug, just throw them in here. And again, if you'll give me those links, I'll put everything in the show notes to make it easy on people. Awesome. Happy to do that. Um, well, uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Jeffrey Golden. That's uh, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, like the giraffe, G-O-L-D-E-N, like the color. And uh, I have a newsletter called Adventure Snack, 
where uh, I write, remember the old game books, like the old choose your path game books and like fighting fantasy or choose your own adventure. I do micro versions of those and I send them to folks via email and it's free to play. And I do them twice a month called, uh, that's at adventuresnack.com. And, uh, and yeah, Target Run, um, which I'm very happy to say is a number one uh, hottest comedy module on uh, DM's Guild, which I was really excited about, debuted as a number one. And, uh, and yeah, that's at, uh, you can search for it at, uh, at the DM's Guild Target Run. And uh, yeah, that's, that's me. Oh, and of course, uh, if you were listening, but we were talking before about worst movies ever played. And that uh, you can get that on any podcast player. Just put in those words and you will find the show. Fantastic. All right, Chris, what about you, buddy? Uh, every other week here. And then otherwise, you can catch me on the Redemption podcast. Uh, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Uh, Burlu underscore Chris. I warn people I don't check it every day, but uh, at least every other day. And where are you at, Michael? I am on Twitter way too much. Uh, you can find me there at the RPG Academy. Uh, pretty much everything we, I do can be found there. We do have a Facebook page. A lot of times it's just du- duplicate posting. Whenever I think of something funny on Twitter, then I'll just go post it on Facebook at the same time. Um, really begin hip deep in everything at Catacon right now. I have that vacation coming up very soon. I'll be updating the Action Talk Cinema. So Catacon is definitely top of mind. Uh, the only other thing else I'll plug is Farm to Fable. Uh, again, this, we're now middle of third season. I'm rewatching Smallville. The uh, CWWB Superman early years teen drama oh, show wow. that I love yeah. for some reason. And, uh, <laughs> I'm absolutely having a ball. So much fun. We're slowly starting to get an audience. We're getting like around 100 downloads per episode now, which nice. is, a, is a big deal for this thing. Again, it's just a little side project. And I have one person on Patreon. I set up a special Farm to Fable level on our RPG Academy Patreon. I have one person who's actually donating to the, to the show. Which nice. Kind of giggle and smile and laugh all at the same time. Uh, but yeah, if you're interested in Smallville, uh, go check it out. Uh, so that, we will wrap things up. Thank you, everybody, for watching now or in the future. And again, the audience, mm-hmm. audio-only audience listening, uh, please go check out Jeffrey's stuff, listen to his podcast, find his game, uh, go play improv games and, or choose your own games <laughs> with his newsletter. Um, and I, at some point in time, maybe I can run a, a session of Action 12 Cinema before you online just to get your opinion since you definitely I would... played. You know, you're the target audience. If, if I can't convince you it's a fun game, I might might finally have the person to tell me it's a waste of time. <laughs> I would absolutely love to play it. It sounds great right up my alley. It's a lot of fun. Well, thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Everybody do the awkward wave out. Wave out. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, 
One Sheet Adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.